In Jesus' name, if you can just join me wherever you are, uh, as we join hands, as it were, to invite the Lord into our meeting this morning. Baba Siabonga, Getuba, Lokpila, Emishabenu, Glesiskati, to be able to, to live at this time, uh, to walk the earth for you, to be your voice, to be your hands, to be your feet in the earth, so that on your behalf we can love the unlovable and hug the unhuggable, so that we can be an extension of your person in the earth, because you are in heaven, but you have left a people that you trust, uh, who have been redeemed by the blood of your son, that through them you can have a presence, a representation in the earth through them. So, Father, as we teach your word, thank you for this family, yes. Kingdom Embassy House family. Uh, we thank you for the grace upon our lives, all of us. I thank you for every family represented here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. We are so glad that you could join us, family, today. Uh, I also greet Madam Lynn Corden. Cowden. Amen. In Jesus' name. I need to remember that all the time. Amen. So, thank you so much. I, I was just meditating on what the Lord wanted us to, to say to you this morning. And there was a word, which I believe is important. Everything that God uh, communicates is important, is important. So I trust God that as we, as we share with you today, your life will be touched and you will be blessed, and you will discover beyond that which we grew up understanding about the things of the Lord. Uh, so the title for my message this morning is Serving the Father, Serving the Lord. When we read the Bible, especially when you read the book of Revelation and the book of Genesis, the book of Revelation and the book of Genesis, we, we get a sense that the God that we serve is really big. He is a big God. He is a great God, a marvelous God, the God that we serve. He is bigger even, I mean, beyond our imagination. Whatever you can imagine Him to be, the best of imaginations out there, he beats that. He is beyond that. He is big. He is a big God. Amen. Our God is the author of, of, of all that is beautiful. He is the author of excellence. He is uh, in heaven. When you read the book of Revelation, the Bible says he is even surrounded with worship 24-7. There is worship coming to him every moment in eternity. He is a great God. He is a big God. 
religion has a tendency of shrinking him down and decreasing him and reducing him to something that you and I can, can handle. Uh, we, we religion wants us to reduce him to the capacity of our intellect so that we can you know, understand his dimensions. When he begins to stretch beyond that which our mind can grasp, we begin to worry. But I want you to know this morning that the God that we serve is a big God. Mm -hmm. To the extent that he cannot be surprised by anything. He cannot be wowed. He is God. He is big and he is in charge. Mm -hmm. As much as there's some, you know, stuff that is going on in the world. I want you to know that God is big and God is in charge. They are saying in 2021, there's going to be a meltdown in the economy. When that happens, should it happen, I want you to know that God still knows that there, there is a church in the earth. There are people who represent him called the body of Christ. And those people need to finish the mission that is assigned to them. So everything that happens in the world, when they say to you, a meteorite is going to fall on the earth in 2022 or next month, for instance. There are things which you must immediately cancel out because there's prophecy that must still be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. There are things that will not happen until that which the Bible says must happen happens. So as God's people, it is then good for us to be grounded in the word. Mm -hmm. uh, our knowledge and revelation of the scriptures is able to deal with our fears because there are things that the world, the uncircumcised people in the world should, work, should worry about because they have no understanding. They have no revelation of what the Bible says. Uh, so my title this morning, family, having said all that, is on serving God, uh, serving the Father serving the Father, knowing all that He is, uh, His excellence, the fact that He is big, He is glorious, He is amazing, He is all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent everywhere at the same time, omnipotent, all-powerful. He is a great God. So how do, you, how do you even begin to serve such a one? Where do you begin? It's like going to a restaurant and being a waiter and you have to serve this fussy person who is so good at everything and the cooks, they are so much under pressure because they have they got to get everything according to detail. Every ingredient must be spot on. So he, he, he is an amazing God. It would seem as if there is pressure on, on us, but there isn't. When you begin to understand how these things work, uh, Timothy even says, he alone has immortality, dwelling in an unapproachable light, whom no man has seen, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. With Deuteronomy 32.4, it says his work, is perfect. Samuel 22, it says, His way is perfect. 
Job 36 verse 4, it says, He is perfect in knowledge. Mm. So you are dealing with a great God. A great God. David uh, says in Psalm 68, he says, Oh God, you are more awesome than your holy places. Then finally, in Revelation, John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. How do you serve such a one? Of whom the Bible says, even earth and heaven fled, fled from his presence. How do, you, how do you impress a God like that who is, who is this awesome, this glorious, this amazing, this big? How do you serve him? In scripture, when you study scripture, you also learn that uh, they offered sacrifices to him. You know, when they understood, I hope they did, how big he is. So they offered sacrifices to him. When they did... God said, I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. It's some 50. So they try to, to serve him th this way, and he tells them, uh, that cannot really impress me that much because whatever you are giving me is already mine. I own, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I own all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts. Yeah. So if you boast to say that I offered 50 uh, cattle, he would tell you, but all that you offered was mine in the first place. So um, they, 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 they were in a place like that because they were dealing with the big God. The same God that you and I are dealing with this morning. In Haggai, he, he told them in the book of Haggai, God telling the people, he says, the silver is mine. Yeah. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. They cannot, they cannot impress him by offering the cattle, the flock. They go for silver and gold to lay at his feet. And he tells them, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. Wherever you mining it from, I created the reserves in the belly of the earth. I know it's there, so when you dig it up, you're giving it back to the creator of the same. Mm. So that's the God that we are dealing with. And so, Bazalwan, it came to a place where they realized that even their righteousness does not really impress him. They cannot impress him through the, their flock. They cannot impress him through silver and gold. And they say, maybe if we, if we do certain things, we live a certain way, maybe we are going to get his, um, his, his, his good marks. 
And in Isaiah, Isaiah cries out and he says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hid in your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Now, on the other side of the cross in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one, he says. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Family, he is holy. He is holy. We are just created beings. When we came into the earth, he was already here. He is greater and he is bigger than anything we would ever try to do. Yet we have been called into the earth to serve him. We have been called into the earth to walk before him. The Bible says, walk before me and be thou perfect. Walk before me and be thou blameless. He is a great God. I want you to get that this morning. So when we begin to tackle this subject, I'm not going to be long this morning, family, uh, before these lights fail on me as well. He is holy. The God that we have been called to serve is a holy God. He is a holy king. He is a holy God. Uh, perfection is his offspring. If you try to, you know, we try to be perfect, but he gave birth to perfection. He is the author of excellence. That's the God that, he, that's why the Bible says he dwells in an unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see. So the question is, what really moves the father? What moves him? What moves the heart of God? How then do we begin to serve him? How do we serve God? What impresses him? Does he even want to be impressed to start with? Do we even have the capacity to do so? Is he a God who is imp impressible, so to speak? That means when he looks at us, he, he can then tick all the boxes. Or he just allows us to walk before him because he is full of grace. He is full of mercy. He is full of compassion. The Bible says his glorious grace. His grace is glorious. So family, I remember that he, the father, he speaks to Jesus one day when Jesus was baptized. He comes up from underwater when John the Baptist had baptized him. He spoke these words over Jesus. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well 
pleased. And we also learn in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's to please. That's, that's amazing because that means as excellent as he is, as glorious as he is, as big as he is, being the epitome of perfection, the father of, perf of all that is perfect, he can still be pleased. He can still be pleased according to the, the, the scriptures which I've just um, referenced to you. The word to please someone in the Hebrew, in the Strong's Concordance, is the word ratsa in Hebrew when it talks about pleasing, to please someone, to please someone. It means to approve or to be approved. So when the Bible says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, it would say then, this is my beloved son of whom I approve. It means to approve. It means to be approved. So to please God, serving him in a manner that pleases him, has got nothing to do with his emotions. That when I please God, it makes him happy. It moves him emotionally. Pleasing God has got everything with him putting a stamp on my name to say, I approve of you. That's what it has to do with. God putting a stamp on my name to say, I approve of you in Jesus' name. So what does it mean to serve him? When we serve him, what does it mean? When we serve the Lord, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to certain scriptures here. The meaning of, of serving, according to our dictionaries that you and I, Cambridge, Oxford, and all these dictionaries that you and I study and, and, and look words up in. The word to serve, it means to wait at a table, at a table, to wait at a table as a waiter or a waitress would do in a restaurant or in a hotel or a place like that to wait at a table it also means to be a servant or to attend to so in the instance of the things of the spirit it would mean to serve god to attend to him to wait on god to wait on god for the purpose of this message, uh, family, I want us to focus on the first one, which is to wait at the table, to wait at a table as a waiter or a waitress would. So if you would, imagine yourself as a, as a waiter or a waitress waiting on God at his table. You wait on God at his table. The difference in this instance would be in your normal restaurant, uh, the restaurant, the waiter would give the person the, what do you call a menu. Mm -hmm. In this instance, in the things of the spirit, he gives you the menu. 
he brings it with him. And he says, go prepare this and that. This is what I want to feast on. That's the difference. But for a moment, I want you to imagine that you are a waiter. Imagine that you are waiting on him. The Bible would be the menu. Uh, but what does the Lord want specifically? The Bible is so big. What does he really want? What does the Lord want saved? When you bring that silver tray and you open it, what does the Lord want to see? What does the order of the Lord look like? So when you read his order back to him, what does it look like? Now, there's much we can say in that regard, family, based on what the Bible says. Because in the book of Matthew, for instance, Somebody can say, well, in the book of Matthew 22, the Bible says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So if I can do that, when I open that orb on that silver tray, if he sees that, then he's pleased. Mm. Somebody else would say, no, perhaps if we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, for the Bible says, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Maybe he wants to see faith. He wants us to move in the realm of faith. When we move in the realm of faith, he really puts a stamp on our name to say, well done. Well, somebody else would perhaps say, uh, maybe some 89 would be what God would want us to do and be preoccupied with in the earth. For some 89 says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. That should do it. If righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, Perhaps that's what the Lord would want to see. And it says, mercy and truth go before you. So what does the Lord want for family? I can, I can talk to you about these three to tell you why they wouldn't be. Remember, if, if you take faith, for instance, remember the scripture that says, now stand faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Yet in the book of Hebrews, they have exhausted everything. Faith is presented as that thing. It's never that thing. It's part of, it's one of the ingredients as God begins to build his bride, as he restores the bride. Remember, he says, the bride must be without spot and must be without blemish, must be without wrinkle, spotless. He is coming for a pure bride, a holy bride. Amen. I can take you through the other two. But Masalwane, having, if there is one thing that I am blessed with, that you must know, I am blessed with knowing the heart of the Father. That is what I know. 
the heart of God, the, the, the beating of his heart, you, you will grow to understand that. And uh, it's, it's just what uh, God has graced me with, to know the heart of the Father. Mm -hmm. And I thank him for that. I believe, family, there are two things that God, when he looks at us on a daily basis, when we stand before him, that he is looking out for. Well, I, I cannot prove this to you uh, by what empirical data or anything like that. All I can tell you is that we God gives us um, understanding and revelation of things, and he gives us the grace to access his heart. And in the midst of information, in the midst of all the different dishes on the menu, and he gives you the grace to say, all these are important and all these are part of the package mm -hmm. in that, of that which I'm doing. But I want you as the 21st century church, I want you as the people who are running the final lab, who are going to usher in the most glorious move of the Spirit ever seen. I want you to focus on the two things. So I want to put it to you today, family, that there are two things that God expects from us as his people on a daily basis and at the end of our journey, at the end of all things, when we have walked the earth and done everything we could, when he opens that silver tray, having waited, having watched us, having equipped us, having empowered us, having poured his Holy Spirit upon us to give us capacity to cook the meal well, having supported us, given us everything we would ever need in the earth to ensure that the final dish looks like the order that he has made. So at the end of all things, the Lord, the Lord God must say two things. Number one, it is a lifetime of obedience. It's obedience. That's number one. So I want you to note that today. It's obedience when he opens that silver tray. He wants to see obedience there. The second thing that the Lord wants to see, it is souls, people you and I would have rescued from hell. He calls them his inheritance. His inheritance, the nations, he calls them his inheritance. Over and above all things, family, the first century church would have had a different order from the Lord based on the Lord, on what the Lord was building at the time, on the foundation he was laying. The demand that he made on them would have reflected that which he wanted to build at the time as a foundation. Now we are a church coming in this generation, in this season, in this hour. They call it an epoch. The Lord 
Hear my heart, family, hear, because the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. This is what we must run with going forward. It's obedience and the harvest of nations, souls. Remember we said one of the things that must preoccupy us as the church is the fact that God wants return on investment. Remember that Jesus, I'm going to go on the obedience, just talk about it just for a few moments and also uh, the harvest. But allow me to do this. Remember that Jesus Christ was sown a seed in the earth. He was sown in the ground when he died on the cross. It was like an offering that God made. Why is God so preoccupied with, the, with our earth? with our planet when there are about nine planets out there because planet earth is the only planet where the blood of God fell. Planet earth is the only planet that absorbed the blood of majesty. When Jesus bled on the cross, the blood fell not on any other planet. The blood of the son of God fell on planet earth and he died not for any other being those for whom he died, they are found on a specific place. It's called planet Earth. They are made in his image and likeness. So when you ask, why is God so concerned? Why does God pursue the human race? Because he shed his blood for them. Now, let me come back to the issue of obedience. I believe, Bazalwane, that the entire Christian experience uh, is about obedience. Everything about us in the earth hinges on obedience. It hinges on obedience. At the heart of obedience, remember, it is the surrendering of our will. A person who is obedient to God... See, because there are two real rulers in the world today. It is your will, my will, and it is God's will. Everything else that transpires in the earth, my thought life, the life that I live, the words that I speak, everything that happens in my timeline depends on who of the two rulers I salute. So everything in this life, Bazalwane, hinges on obedience. Obedience is so powerful because uh, it is about me laying down my will. It is about me laying down what I want and allowing the will of the Father, the will of God, so obedience crowns God as king. Obedience crowns God as king over my life. When I begin to obey the Father, when I begin to obey him, uh, not just singing a song, because obedience is the highest form of worship. I want you to know that. Not just a song. Obedience crowns God as king over my life. Not just my, my lips saying it, 
But when I begin to obey, when I begin to obey, to be obedient, remember the word obedience. It's what the church will have to grapple with from this time going forward. That's what you and I will have to learn and pray for the grace of God to be able to obey God at every turn. Everything that he says we must do, we must do. Remember we said some time ago, when you find yourself wrestling with the word, the spirit of obedience says you must lose and let the word win. I must lose 10 goals to nil. I must never be found wrestling with the word of God and winning. That means there is no obedience in my life. Obedience family occupies a higher dimension in the spirit than faith. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that. Obedience occupies a higher dimension in the spirit than faith. Remember in the James was one of the apostles. He says, you believe that there is one God. You believe that, right? He says, you do well if you do. That's that's commendable. Then he continues to say, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? So if we go on the basis of faith alone, the question becomes this. How am I different from a demonic spirit? Because the Bible says they also know that there is God. How am I different from Satan himself who knows that there is God? So faith and belief without works is useless, it's futile, it's futility. It amounts to nothing according to the scripture. I remember when I listened to Mike Maddock uh, Dr. Mike Maddox, a couple of years ago, uh, he said, God's only need, God's only need is to be obeyed. God's only need is to be obeyed. God is not short of worship. He is surrounded with worship in heaven. There is worship coming to him every single moment. Uh, remember in the book of Revelation, they, they cry out, holy, holy, holy. They cry out to him. They tell him everything or every single moment. So he is not short. He is not thin on worship because the very atmosphere of heaven is saturated with worship, with praise. Mm. But what Praise cannot guarantee is obedience. This is why uh, a cherub named Lucifer, for your information, the word Lucifer, you know the word lucid, which means light and brightness. He was in the presence of God. He worshipped in the midst of worship. He failed to obey. This rebellion came out of his soul. And he disobeyed God and he was rebellious, the Bible says. So when he says, love, love, I must obey. 
I believe that God is. I believe that if I say this, mountains can be uh, thrown and be thrown into the ocean and all these things that we believe. I believe that if I, I if I pray for somebody, a devil will be cast out. I believe in miracles, signs and wonders. But if he says, love, I must obey. If he says, forgive, I must obey. If he says, do not sin, I must obey. I must be found to be walking in obedience. If the Lord says, walk not according to the flesh, I must obey. The church that the Lord God is raising is a church that is preoccupied with obedience. We want to obey him. When he says give, I obey. Imagine if I did everything that an average Christian does. I, I, I go to church. When I go to church, I worship. When I, uh, you know, we do all the stuff that you and I have uh, profiled as, a, as Christian. Yet I do not obey. How many Christians really obey God from Monday to Saturday? How many Christians really are in the culture of obedience? Mm. The Lord God, remember Jesus, when those uh, men came, says, but we prophesied in your name. Prophecy has to do with exercising your faith because you need to believe that God is speaking through you. And they said, hey, we cast out devils in your name. He tells them, no, I never knew you. I never knew you. Because at the end of the day, family, in the final analysis, after having done everything that we think is right, we must be found to be obedient people. Obey the voice of the Lord when he speaks. Obey the word of God when he speaks. So as God's people, we obey God, not our feelings. We obey God not our thoughts. We obey God, not our will. We are self-willed people. He, God had the same challenge with the, with the church in the wilderness, the children of Israel. They called them stubborn, obstinate, hard-hearted, strong-willed. Mm. Use symbolism of a donkey sometimes. Stubborn people. Yet he expects us family to allow the word to melt our hearts to the point where we flow with him so what i'm saying is we obey god nothing else see sometimes i may i may have my feelings i mean who, who cares what i feel if the bible says i must do this i must do it irrespective of how i i don't know how many times i've had to do stuff that i don't feel like doing remember the scripture that says we don't we walk not by sight but by faith, the word sight is representative of all the five physical senses. It's just one represented there. The sense of, of, of sight, smell, feeling, and all those things. We walk not by feelings, by sight, by what we hear on TV, what my friend tells me, what I feel, who cares? An obedient person, the church that God is raising, listens to only one voice, the voice of the word. Mm. 
the voice of the word has the final authority in my life. When he speaks, I say, yes, sir. When he says, jump, we ask how high. That's who we are. We are the body of Christ. We have been called to walk with him and to be obedient. So the issue of obedience also puts into focus the issue of my rights. You know that we, are, we have our rights. I have my rights, you know. I have a right to be angry. I have a right. And especially in our country, given the, our history, we have a certain mindset that elevates my rights above that which God wants. So when you get born again, the Bible says, I become a new creation. All the things have passed away. Behold, it says, all things have become new. Now, suddenly, I have a new boss. Yes. I dethrone myself yes. from, the, from my own heart. Yes. Everything used to, I said and I thought used to go. Everything I felt used to go. But now, I choose because the Lord God uh, is not only God, but He is Lord mm. over my life. Mm. He is Lord. See, He can be God to everybody else. Most people in the world who are not born again, they know that there is a God. But not all of them accept Him as their Lord. Lord yeah. Because the issue of Lordship means that I now need to surrender my life and submit my life under His rule. I must be led by him. He must be Lord over me, over everything. So I no longer have my own rights. I chose long time ago to surrender my right to lay them down on the altar. I would be angry and I would want to retaliate. But what does the Bible says, say? I would choose not to forgive because of the depth of the pain. The pain is so bad. The wound is so deep. But because I am obedient, I understand that the Lord God has ordered from me in my lifetime the, what he wants to see when I bring a tray before him. To, at the end of all things, when he asks me, what did you do? I must be able to say, Lord, I try to the best of my ability to obey you. All the little things, the little instances I gave to this one uh, at the corner of Windermere and whatever, is because of obedience. Everything that we do, I chose to forgive because I obeyed. Everything that we do hinges on obedience. So family, I want you to know this morning, where you obey, Wherever you have obeyed God, I know that you have obeyed God in certain, I have obeyed God in certain instances, but we are not done yet. We are going to be living a life of obedience. But what I want you to know this morning is that where you have obeyed God is where God has been glorified. God is only glorified in our place of obedience. Where we obey him is where the enemy sees that he really reigns in our lives. Where we choose to disobey God, the flag 
of the enemy flies high in that particular area. So God is not glorified because in church, you and I, we have lifted up our hands and we said with our lips, be glorified. God is glorified at a place of our obedience. If you want to see, if you want to know when last God was glorified in your place, in your life, if I want to know where God was last glorified in my life, I must check when last I obeyed him. Because when I obeyed him, in that area, he was glorified. Why? Because I chose him than me. I chose his will than something else. I chose him to, to shine in that place. Yeah. I chose his word, his perception, his idea, his thoughts on the issue than my thoughts. So in that area, there God was glorified. I also want you to know, family, that one act of obedience, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons you will ever listen to. One act of obedience, one. If I would choose to obey God, live a life. How many of us, when we listen to, like I always encourage you to take notes when we minister the word. We take those notes, but how many of us really have obeyed everything that you have written down? How many of us have, have, have volumes and volumes of stuff stretched somewhere? Sermons we listened to many years ago, they are still there. When, when was the last time you went to even, let alone to obey and to do what was said there, but to even look at them? That goes to show that God wants the church that he is raising now to be beautiful, to be glorious. We are, God is raising a, a, a genuine bride family, genuine church. That's why we minister the way that we do, because he wants a perfect bride for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, when you have obeyed family, you have served him. When you have obeyed him, you have served him. He is served by us obeying him. When we obey the Lord, we serve the Lord. I know that when we get back to church, I'm going to ask you to, to assist. We're going to assign you to different ministries so that we can have a, a well-oiled machine as the body, as, as, as a local church, you know, different ministries, children's church, and all the things that we do. But do you know that you can serve as a Sunday school teacher and still die and go to hell? You can serve as an usher, and you can serve as in all the different um, capacities and roles that we have in the church, uh, in, the, in worship, singing, leading the church in song, but you would die and collapse on that very spot, some people would not even see God. Because it's not really about that. Those things are physical. They are, they are part of the program yeah. that ensures that they structure, differentiate between serving God for real in the spirit, 
then being part of, which is important because he expects us to hold, to, to join hands so that the body of Christ, the local assembly is well organized and well structured. But that alone does not amount to much in the absence of obedience. Having done all the things that we do on Sunday and midweek, when we leave the church building, when we step out, now real Christianity begins. Because now I must begin to obey him. I must begin to listen out for, listen out for his voice and hear what he has to say to me and do what he says. Did you know that he expects me to treat my wife in a certain way? Do you know that I must be obedient to that voice when I want to say something and the Holy Spirit, because I am ruled, because he's Lord, I don't rule myself anymore as a Zulu man. I don't go by what my forefathers said. As intelligent and smart and great as that which they would advise me, but when I become a child of God, his word supersedes yes. that which my forefathers said. This is why when you get born again, you have a new culture, a culture of the kingdom. In this instance, it's the culture of obedience. So I'm saying to you on this last point, let us learn to live a life of obedience. When you have obeyed the father, you have served him. Now, allow me to go for the next uh, few moments, maybe 10 minutes, then we close on the issue of souls. When the Lord opens that tray, he says, obedience, I have been obedient in the earth. And uh, he needs to see the souls that I would have brought, people I would have rescued from eternal damnation. People I would have witnessed to and shared the gospel with. Do you know that when your soul leaves the body, you will take nothing with you. There's nothing physical that you and I will take with us. When I leave the body and they say he is no more, but you can still see the physical body lying down there. When I go to be with the Lord, I take nothing physical. All our cars... All our clothes and our money and our style and our swag and everything like that. We take nothing with us when we go. The only thing, family, you will take with you are people you would have led to the Lord. Though that's the only thing you'll take with you. The people that you and I will have led to the Lord. So it, it, it is what is in the heart of the Father with regards to the church today and what the Lord wants us to be preoccupied with. You know that people that I would have revealed Jesus to. When you sit in that restaurant over coffee, this is why, Mabazaron, from next week, Sunday, we are moving on to harvest. We are going to preoccupy ourselves with the issue of, of souls and harvest mm. because that is what is in the heart of the Father. Mm. All our revelation and all our praying and everything that we do, if it does not, at the end of the day, yes. find its yeah. 
find expression in us winning souls for the Lord, we will have failed him. We will have failed him because at the end of the day, like Reinhard Bonke used to say, what a great man, we must plunder hell and populate heaven, he would say in his voice. We must depopulate. We must plunder hell and populate heaven. If there is one thing, family, that I want you to know is that everything we share with you on kingdom mandate, on kingdom culture, on kingdom identity, on kingdom worldview, is so that the body of Christ in the earth, we can marshal an army, number one, so that your destinies can be restored. When your destiny is restored, you are able then to walk and begin to manifest the will of God in the earth with authority. But at the end of all those things, when, when all those things begin to happen, with that is the rescuing of nations. Yeah. Is the Lord receiving his, his inheritance? Yeah. The Lord God. When we stand before, before him, we must present to him nations. We must present to him souls. We must present to him lives that will have been rescued. My going to church and your going to church will continue, family, because that's where we get equipped. But the church must now leave the building. The church must now leave the building. How many believers even know that church is not even a building? The church are people redeemed, washed in the blood. The church must leave the building. The church must go into the highways and byways. Let every relationship that you have be strategic. Let every relationship that you have have a kingdom purpose. Let us have in our heart and mind. Let us not waste relationships, family. People, some of us have a certain personality that draws people to ourselves. Let my personality even serve the Lord. The fact that people get drawn to me. The fact that people just get pulled to me. The fact that I have influence, when I speak, people listen. I use that to serve the Father, to say, oh God, even as they, as they listen to me, let me share the gospel with them. How many believers today share the gospel? How many believers today share Jesus and begin to pull people from hell into the kingdom of God? I am... Almost done, family. Just give me five minutes, then I'm done. So people to whom Jesus uh, will reveal to you. You know that it happens in the, in, in the, in the, in the Islamic world. What happens is the, 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 the people who are really hungry for the harvest, the Lord God begins to reveal people in your spirit. He begins to lead you. Because not everybody you approach will get saved. Do you know that? But there are people who are ready to be harvested. There are people who are ready just for one person from God to say just one thing. They are already ripe. All that they needed was just one person. Sometimes it's even something you, you didn't even think that it was going to cause them to be saved. You didn't even share a deep truth with them. All you did was just greet them and just tell them about some basic thing about Jesus, but you find them already ripe. Mm. 
all that was needed was for us to be obedient as opposed to us being preoccupied with ourselves. I know that you are going through a tough time, family. I know that the enemy hits you in every area. But this morning, I wanted you to know that Jesus, before he went to be with the Father, he said these words, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, family, as I close, when the Lord Jesus opens the tray one day, as the Lord's waiter, you and I, let him find everything as ordered. Let him find everything as ordered. Let him find obedience. Let him find us having done everything that we could to rescue souls from hell. People that are not even aware that they are going to hell, that's the strangest thing. They, they, they think that their lives are okay. You and I must begin to pray. So, Barcelona, as I close, Kingdom Embassy House, I want you to know that it's going to be a house of, 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 of the harvest. There is nothing at this time that the Lord is wanting us to do more than seeing nations come back to him. You and I must begin to reach out and begin to use our influence to touch people, to speak to people, to share the gospel. Uh, going forward, we're going to speak on this thing on Sunday again and so that it is entrenched in you. So, Bazalwan, as we begin this week, that is what the Lord is asking, not only of Kingdom Embassy House, by the way. That's the heart of the Father for the church. Let us walk in obedience. Let us go and win souls for him in Jesus' name. Let us pray together, family, as we close. Now, Father, we thank you today for the work that you are doing for your Holy Spirit, for the fact that we have access into your voice and your heart. You reveal these things to us so that we can begin to walk according to that which you want us to do. I pray for your people today. I pray for myself even. Mm. That, Father, the, the fire and the appetite and the zeal for the harvest will begin to burn in my soul. That, Lord God, will begin to understand that there is nothing that touches your heart more than to see a, a, a lost soul getting saved. There is nothing that touches your heart more than seeing someone obey you in the earth. More than any activity, more than anything that we would do, you want to be obeyed and you want to see the souls saved. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.